thousand mind and body A thousand mind and body A thousand mind and body A thousand mind and body Hey everyone, welcome to A Dose of Mind and Body your audio prescription to anything pharmacy, mental health, and fitness or lifestyle habits. My name is Miriam. I am a pharmacist who loves to share my experiences with you all. With a step-by-step on how to implement these new strategies, stories from my own experiences, and more to help you get from where you are now to where you want to be and be the best version of yourself possible. I am your host. Let's get into today's episode. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of A Dose of Mind and Body. On today's episode, we have May Yazdi. She's a family nurse practitioner, and she's on my show today to share her experience as a nurse practitioner. She also has her own podcast called May's Anatomy, if you also want to check it out. So um, I want to thank you for coming on the show today. And um, how are you doing today, May? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yes, no, I'm so glad that I got you on. I know we've been having trouble scheduling this, so we I finally know. made it happen. And we finally <laughs> made it happen, I know. <laughs> Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got to where you are today? Yeah, totally. So um, I am originally actually from the East Coast. So right now I'm living in Los Angeles, but I'm from the Northern Virginia, D.C. area, Um, And I graduated with my bachelor's in nursing and in psychology um, in 2014 from Virginia Commonwealth University in um, Central Virginia, Richmond, Virginia. So um, after that, I kind of actually had a very non-conventional trajectory when it came to nursing. I accepted a position on a neuroscience telemetry unit. Um, and during that time I was studying for my boards to become a registered nurse. Um, the first time I took my boards, I didn't pass. And in Virginia, the laws are, if you don't pass the first time while you're training to be an RN, you kind of become demoted in a way. I got to find a better word for that. Cause I don't like saying that, but that's essentially what happened. And, um, so I went from being a registered nurse to, well, not really kind of like a, a nursing student becoming a registered nurse to a nursing assistant um, while I was studying for my boards again. And then from there, really, that's when I had a big shift in my mindset in who I thought I was, who I wanted to become, um, because it took me a very long time to pass my NCLEX, which is the boards for registered nurses. Um I talk about this in depth on my podcast on an episode called my NCLEX nightmare, because it was truly a nightmare for me to pass my boards. It took me five times, which is very uncommon. I would say for nurses, most people pass the first time, if not the second. And so during that time, you know, it was very difficult for me to understand is this what I'm meant to do? I'm someone that's very driven by, you know, what the universe is telling me, what God is telling me. I'm very driven by being intuitive and listening to myself. And so going through that process, I was kind of wondering, maybe this isn't what I'm meant to do. 
So before I passed my boards the fifth time, I completely shifted. And I said, you know what, if healthcare isn't for me, I'm going to go into the corporate world. I am going to be a business lady Mm -hmm. and we're going to completely switch this up and see if this works. Um, So I ended up working in like IT information technology staffing, and I did that for about eight months. And it was honestly the best thing I ever did because I was like, this is not for me. Um, I am meant to be a nurse. I am a nurse. Like I am meant to be in healthcare. Take me back there. So after that, it was really like a wake up call, kind of like a quarter life crisis. I was about I think 23 or 24 at the time. And I decided I'm going to go back. I'm going to, you know, study for my boards. I'm going to pass my boards. I completely shifted my mindset. And the fifth time I passed. Um, So it was honestly all just part of the journey for me. And it was such a great learning experience for me in particular um, to teach me about what I want in life and, you know, the importance of hard work and perseverance and things like that. Um, And so after I passed, I ended up specializing in allergy, asthma, and immunology. And I worked with one of the top doctors in the Washington DC area. He was actually a consultant to the White House. So he worked with a lot of congressmen, congresswomen, senators, past and previous presidents, vice presidents. So it was a really, really great experience for me um, in learning really personal skills, customer service, uh, as well as obviously the clinical side. Um, So once I was there, I was working with uh, the physician who also had seven nurse practitioners under him. And I was like, you know what? These NPs rock. They run the office. They do everything. They have great bedside manner. They're kind of everything that I want to be. And the whole reason I went into medicine in the first place. So um, I decided to apply to NP schools, got into USC, dragged my husband along with me out to Los Angeles. Um, and then, you know, I started my journey as a NP student. Um, and I was actually supposed to graduate last May, so May of 2020. Um, But obviously, as everyone knows, the pandemic hit. So when that happened, it kind of like shook me again, right? So I was in a position again, where things were not going the way that I had expected them to. um, Because my rotations were canceled, essentially, we weren't allowed to go in and see patients at the time. Um, And that's when you know, I kind of went back to where I was when I was 23, 24. And I was like, okay, we've done this before. It's not a problem. How are we going to move and shake and maneuver to our benefit? Um, So that's when I decided to enroll at the Institute for Integrative Nutrition, which is a health coaching program that focuses on holistic and integrative health, which is like me in a nutshell. Um, so I decided to do that during my downtime. So by the time I graduated NP school, I also was certified as an integrative and holistic health coach and realized that I really wanted to marry the two, um, to be the best medical provider that I can be. Um, so now I'm done with all of that, with all the schooling, took my boards past the first time. So I was really happy about that. Um, and now I'm just on the job hunt, trying to find the right position for me. Um, in the meantime, obviously working on my podcast, which is so much fun, as you know, um, and just loving to connect with people who are in the same space. 
Oh my god, that's amazing! I love it. It, it feels <laughs> like a huge roller coaster, but I feel yeah. like everyone doesn't share their story when they're in school. They just make it kind of like you have no failures. And um, I love that you brought up that you took your board so many times because yeah, um, the law exam for pharmacy is ridiculous. Like people mm-hmm. fail it, but it's like the hardest get exam you'll ever take in your life, basically. Wow. And you feel stupid, but it's literally it's not even about knowing anything. It's literally the most random exam. So totally totally feel you on that. I had friends fail. I have, you know, people who failed. And so, yeah, it's great to like connect and let them know. It's like, it's not going to get, it'll get easier, but it seems like it's hard right in that moment. Oh, totally. Yeah. And it's totally not, has nothing to do with you know, how smart you are, or what, how good of a student you are, or it's, it's really not a reflection of how good of a pr- practitioner or healthcare professional you're going to be. Um, and sometimes you got to learn that the hard way. So, yeah. um, yeah, no, I totally, totally agree. That was like things that were, people would tell me like, oh my God, I can't be a pharmacist. I didn't pass. And or like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm not smart enough. Like I got straight A's in pharmacy school. I'm like, it has nothing to do with that. Like these exams no. are meant <laughs> sort of like make you feel like you can't succeed but you can it's just like it's a whole mental shift that you have to kind of like adjust and think of when you're in that mindset but right totally totally. (laughs) I love the holistic health coach though can you tell us what that is for people who don't know what that is yeah so a holistic health coach is essentially whatever your client needs you to be. Um, so what I always tell my clients and my patients is that I'm not, a lot of times health coaches can be nutrition coaches. They can be exercise coaches, right? So they can come up with diet plans for you or exercise routines and things like that. That is something that sure I can do if that's what you want from me. Um, but really what a holistic coach is and what an integrative coach is, is we are someone who looks at your life as a complete whole. So we look at individuals, we use a concept called bio-individuality, meaning that I am completely different than you, Miriam, completely different than my husband, Chase. Our biological makeups are completely different and the circumstances of our lives are completely different, right? Culturally, spiritually, our education, maybe our financial status, um, all of those things make us bio-individual people. And so because of that, that means that when we are coaching, uh, whether it's a patient or a health coaching client, we need to look at them as complete individuals and understand everything that makes up who that person is. Because a lot of times, and I think what we miss a lot of times in medicine, which is why I decided to go into this certifying program, is that we tend to forget that our patients are people, right? They're humans, right? They they live in apartments and homes and they have husbands and girlfriends and children and dogs and cats and they, you know, maybe worship God or Buddha or a tree or the universe or whatever it may be. And all of those things factor into who we are and our biological makeup and our physicality and how those things manifest in things like IBS or anxiety or depression or eczema, you know? So 
being holistic is really just a way of looking at things, looking at people, looking at the world in a very well-rounded way so that we can understand things better. Um, so that therefore as a health coach or as a medical practitioner, we can fully understand why someone operates in the way that they do, or maybe why a disease process is progressing in the way that it is. I hope that answers your question. Yeah, I can no. go on and on and about this, but that's kind of like in short. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I love it. Um, it's kind of similar. I just had someone on my show and they're, they specialize in gut health. And we were talking uh-huh. about how the gut is um, basically where everything leads to like your stress. And like, if you aren't digesting well, then you get foggy brain. And if you, right. um, it leads to IBS and all these other things. So um, the, her approach is similar to yours. They go mm-hmm. about what is causing it. Like, what are you eating? Tell me how you feel after you eat it. Um, what is your stress like? Do you have a stressful job or is your lifestyle stressful? Totally. All these things that we don't really ask when we just give a pill or give medicine to someone. We yeah. can be kind of like basically rewired and we could fix it in another way, but we kind of just don't think of the whole picture. We kind of just give another solution that might cause right. other problems sort of right. so yeah um I think it makes sense to look at the whole story as a holistic coach and making right. sure that everything's in tune and then you could just tweak what you can and you might not even need medicine to begin with but yeah I think it's just an underrated career and people don't think of it that way so yeah it can it definitely is becoming more popular though I mm. noticed so I like that it's like leading towards that, but people yeah. are just more hesitant. And like pharmacogenomics is the same thing. They they look at, at the makeup of your body and see, mm-hmm. should you take this medicine? Should you not take this medicine? So it's just everything yes. all together. And so I like that you decided to do something like this with nurse practitioners because it's, right. I've never seen it. And it, yeah. it's great that you're doing it. And I hope that it's like more well-known as like we progress into the future. So totally me too. I love gut health specialists. I love like naturopaths. I love the study of pharmacogenetics. I love anything that looks at, you know, what is like the root cause instead of just thinking, you know, let's, you know, give you like a metformin to deal with your pre-diabetes or something like that, you know, because there's always, there's always something else that you can do. And a lot of times as providers, our first solution, our first treatment and management is always lifestyle modifications. Like it doesn't matter what the disease is, what the illness is, what the condition is, it's always lifestyle modifications. But what I realized is that a lot of people don't know what that means. Like, and by people, I mean, nurse practitioners, physicians, DOs, PAs, like they don't know what lifestyle modifications even mean. So I would notice that when I was going through my rotations, um, you know, my preceptors would be telling the patients, oh, you know, lifestyle modifications, exercise more, eat less. And I was like, that's so broad. (laughs) That's not really what lifestyle modifications means, you know? (laughs) And so I realized that there was a really big disconnect and you know, our education system is great, but there's a lot that's also missing, um, in terms of proper nutrition and in terms of actually talking about 
what micronutrients are, what macronutrients are, do we really need to cut out carbs or do we need to just add more protein and vegetables? You know, this old way of thinking the Adkins diet way of thinking, or, you know, all of those diets that are so ridiculous, you know, maybe we need to start tweaking the way that we're thinking about things. And so, um, and what you were talking about, you know, pharmacogenetics, again, that's the idea of bioindividuality, that every single person is different. Everyone metabolizes medications differently. So it doesn't actually make sense that I would take the same dose as something that you would take, right? So I think that there is a huge shift. I'm hoping that COVID is pushing people in the medical field to be thinking more lifestyle, more preventatively, more integrative medicine, holistically, um, because hopefully this was like a little scare for us to take our health a little bit more seriously. Um, I can see a little, a lot of people moving back and kind of not caring at all again, (laughs) Um, but, but yeah, it's, it's, it's really cool. And so I love talking to people about this that are also really passionate. Yeah, no, I I love that. The lifestyle modifications, I I feel like that is very underrated. And I do notice they won't even go over it in depth because like Mm -hmm. their main, everyone's main goal is to get a copay. So like if you're coming to the doctor, they want them to continuously come, not just be healthy. And it's like just those simple switches of like eating more protein and more vegetables and still eating your carbs, but limiting how much you eat, like knowing what you should be eating could literally be the reason why you don't have to take metformin or why you're not right. taking a blood pressure medication. I'm, I specifically had, um, high blood pressure when I was in high school mm-hmm. and I just started working out and eating healthy and it went away, but it was hereditary they say. Mm-hmm. And like, I don't have it now. So it's like, mm-hmm. that was a lifestyle modification. Like I right. realized like, Oh, Hey, you could do something about it, but sometimes it's not like that either. So like knowing right. that you can try to do it and see what happens of course. is always yeah, and like a good reminder. I'm not against medicine, yeah. right? Like <laughs> I, like I take medication for anxiety too. And I'm very mm-hmm. open about talking about what I take and what I'm open to and what I'm not open to. So mm-hmm. it's not that I'm totally like woo woo, you know, yeah. don't take any medication. <laughs> you can heal everything with some kale, mm-hmm. but like, I think that there are a lot of things we can work on first before mm-hmm. we get to putting, um, things in our body that aren't natural because our bodies are machines, you know, they're meant to run on their own. We just have to be able to fuel them with the proper foods, whether that's, you know, the foods that are actually on our plate or primary foods, what we call at IIN, which are the foods that kind of feed our soul, right? Um, and I think, uh, you know, you mentioned our healthcare system is a big problem because if we don't see patients, we don't get paid. And at the end of the day, like point blank, we all have bills to pay, right? Exactly. So mm-hmm. we have to very, very slowly and carefully work to shift the way that our healthcare system works. And I think it's going to be a very long process, but I believe in it. And I think you believe in it. And I think a lot of people in our generation are starting to understand the importance of preventative medicine and that there, there is a way that we can help our patients before things get bad, right. Before those sick visits and make a lifestyle out of it, because a lot of countries in the world are doing that. 
and they're doing just fine. Right. So we got to get away from this like sick medicine model and get more into preventative medicine. Um, I think here in Los Angeles, they're doing a pretty good job of starting that shift with, you know, concierge medical practices and functional medical practices and things like that. It does become difficult for, um, a lot of people who, you know, don't have the money to pay monthly memberships and these insane fees that people charge, but I think it's a step. So I think it's going to take a while, but I believe in it and hopefully we'll get there. Yeah, no, I totally agree. The whole like shift is like in a good, good direction. I feel like it's just going to take time. It's a long Mm -hmm. process. It's kind of like rewiring how it's being taught, even at school. Like I noticed in pharmacy school, the students I see when I'm at work, they're telling me like the curriculum is completely different. So like the shift Mm -hmm. is slowly happening. It's just like, how do we shift it to the people that are already practicing the way they do, you know? So Um, I know like the newer generation, like people who are fresh graduates are more into that, like preventative medicine Mm -hmm. and like, how do we get you guys taking way less medic medication because you're healthier, not because we don't want you to be taking it necessarily. So, um, and people use a lot more, um, home health remedies Mm -hmm. now, like for anxiety, like stress, depression, like, and I totally vouch for it. Cause like the medicine we give is good. It's just like, I feel like sometimes it causes another issue. And like, I literally was talking to someone yesterday and she like has pain all the time and she's, mm-hmm. she's a pain specialist, but because they don't know what it is and it's subjective, she's taking so many medication and, and they're like causing other issues now. Like she has yeah. nightmares and right. I'm like, Oh my God. I'm like, I'm so sorry. She's like, I haven't gone to sleep and not had a nightmare. And so like things like that is like right. where you kind of want to be able to like assess it further. And she saw so many doctors and it's not, I don't think it's the doctors. It's just like knowing how to assess like, Hey, this medicine is going to cause more harm than good. Right. And just kind of shifting like ways of treating it. But I think it's just, it's patient dependent and doctor exactly. dependent as well. So. And I think it also, you know, has to do with what we prioritize as being important. Um, for example, like the individual you're talking about who says that, you know, taking maybe these, this pain medication is giving her nightmares to me. The fact that she's having nightmares is more important than the pain, because that means that she's not getting good sleep and sleep is so essential to our health. It's everything, right? That's the time that we're detoxing our, our bodies. That's the time that we're giving our brain time to reset and adjust and be ready for the next day. And when you're not getting good sleep and you're waking up the next day, not feeling well rested, you're not able to perform. You end up having more anxiety because you don't feel like you're yourself. You have brain fog and not having good sleep causes more pain, right? So it, it, there's, there has to be more of an understanding of, you know, these extraneous things that we don't often look at in medicine that are also really freaking important, like sleep, like mental health, like the neighborhood we live in, our, our, um, level of like happiness in our home, all of those things, you know, those are just as important as maybe, you know, some, something that's biologically or physically going wrong. 
not to not to decount like pain is bad and it's subjective and if you have it it's terrible right but but we have to look at everything and that's where the holistic part comes in yeah no I totally agree I like that you brought up the sleep that that's like the other thing it's like if you're not getting well enough sleep you're just gonna feel like you're always in pain because you're not even relaxing so it's like the the issue is not being addressed or solved and it's like you're just hoping it gets better but it's yeah and it's a catch-22 so I just feel so bad because I'm like oh there has to be like a away like fibromyalgia is mm-hmm. not super common but it happens and people have it so like mm-hmm. I know a couple people to me that have it and they don't get good rest and they don't get good sleep and they're on tons of pain meds so it's like it has to be like right has to be a solution I just there has to be something is. else it's right <laughs> I feel like, well, I know one of the things I said was to do yoga and she did yoga, but then she was in more pain because it's not something she's used to. And I was like, that's yeah. something she should have said, like, hey, you can do yoga, but let's start you like 10 minutes right? or like do simple stretches because it's not something you're used to and you're right. probably going to be in more pain anyways. And so she did it and she was in more pain. And I was like, oh no, I was like, she didn't even like give you direction. So it's, right. like, it's kind of hard when, um, I feel like doctors might think patients aren't telling the truth because it is subjective too. And so that's like another issue with the healthcare field. It's hard to address pain, but like, I yeah. think that's slowly getting better because I yeah. don't see as much Norco and if it is, it's like less now. And so I'm like, right. I'm so glad that that's like being addressed because that was a yeah. huge opioid pandemic. And I was like, this is so bad. So yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Um, But can you kind of tell us a little bit about how like you combine this with your nursing career now, just because it's like not so seen or so. Yeah, yeah. totally. Um, So what what I kind of do, so I, I do take health coaching clients separate from like patients that I will see. And, um, I'm in the job market now, so I'm obviously not seeing patients, but when I was in my clinical rotations, um, I would kind of practice how I could combine the two, the nurse practitioner, the medical side, and then also the integrative nutrition, holistic health coach side. And the way, the whole reason I, decided to become certified as a health coach was to supplement my work as an NP. I didn't go into it to start a business as a health coach that ended up kind of just being a byproduct of what happened. Um, But I really did it as a supplement, like I said, because I felt like we just didn't have any education around um, nutrition in our programs, right? Like I think I took a nutrition 101 course as a prereq for nursing school that was in 2009. Right. So it's like, it's been so long. And then you want to tell me to tell people lifestyle modifications, but I don't even know what that means. Right. And I'm someone that I've always lived my life very health forward. My husband's also a health coach. He's like the wellness guru. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, through my own practices and through learning from him, this has always been kind of just a way of life. And even still, there was a lot that I didn't know. So let alone, you know, physicians or other nurses who are interested in learning about this and truly have no idea about what to do. Um, So it really was a great way for me to combine the two to start to practice preventative medicine. And 
it was somewhat difficult because I don't have my own practice. Hopefully in the future I will. And so I get the call, the shots, but for the time being, you know, working under someone else or, um, having a rotation under a preceptor means that you're technically supposed to practice the way that they want you to practice. Right. Um, but I started to kind of play with the waters a little bit and dance on that line a little bit where when I would see patients who uh, I'm just going to use diabetes because I see that all the time who would come in, you know, with either full-blown type two diabetes or pre-diabetes, instead of talking to them about, you know, we're going to get you started on metformin and then we'll have you come back in three months and we'll recheck your A1C and we'll see how you're doing, which is how the do that I was working with did. Right. Of course he would talk to them. Oh, lifestyle modifications, you know, cut out sugar, (laughs) cut out carbs, you know, very basic things where I was like, okay, I I was working in a very underserved area, primarily African-American and Latin X individuals who that's not an option for them. Right. Like healthy food is expensive. Healthy options are expensive. And so you're telling someone who, again, you got to think about their culture coming from a culture where they eat lots of rice, lots of tamales, right? Lots of food that is high in simple carbs. And you're telling them to cut out carbs. What are they supposed to eat? Right? So I started to kind of dance on this line of, okay, when I go in, cause I would go in without the, you know, my preceptor, I'm going to talk to them about true lifestyle modifications. We're not going to talk about metformin. We're not going to talk about come back in three months to check your A1C. We're going to talk about what is actually possible for you to change. And that takes time, right? And so that's where our healthcare system doesn't support us because we have 15 minutes with our patients. So that doesn't allow a lot of time to really get into someone's diet and what they think they can cut out and explaining to them the difference between a simple carb and a complex carb um, and, you know, monosaturated versus polysaturated, right? It becomes a little bit more difficult, but I would take that time. And so if that meant I was taking 20 minutes, 25 minutes, 30 minutes with patients, that's what I was doing. And so I was talking to them about what is your diet? Tell me what your breakfast is. Tell me what your lunch is, what your dinner is, and what do you drink? And when we talk about what do you drink, I want specifics. Do you drink beer? Do you drink wine? Do you drink liquor? I don't want to just know that you drink alcohol. That doesn't tell me anything, right? I mean, it tells me something, but it doesn't tell me a whole lot. And then from there, I would kind of talk to them about, okay, I'm not going to tell you to completely change everything because we're humans and we're creatures of habit. And if I tell you to do that, you're most likely going to get overwhelmed and you're not going to do any of it. So let's just start with one thing. Let's start with the fact that you drink three cans of Dr. Pepper a day, right? And instead of drinking three cans of Dr. Pepper a day, I'm not even going to tell you to cut that out completely. What I'm going to ask you to do is instead of drinking three, drink two, replace one of them with a glass of water. Start with that for a week. After a week, go from two cans to one can and replace the other two with water. And then on the third week, see if you can get rid of all the cans of Diet Coke or Dr. Pepper and replace those with water. And then if you don't like water, you can try supplements, right? So you can try things like 
Mio, those Mio drops that make your water like taste like whatever pink lemonade or something, um, or something like that. Right. So, and then, and that's all we're going to deal with. We're not going to deal with the rice. We're not going to deal with the tamales. We're not going to deal with the fast food. When you come back in six weeks, we'll see how you've progressed and we'll see if we can add something else. Right. And so that's how I would kind of approach it. Um, it takes time especially with communities who might not have the resources or might not have the education. So you really have to sit down and explain things to them and explain to them the progression of what could possibly happen, right? If you don't do these things. Um, And that's where you as a practitioner have to decide what is your goal? You know, are you trying to just see more patients so that you can get paid more um, or so that you can reach the masses, which is also okay? Or are you going to take the time to really make a difference in this person's life? And so that's how I've kind of started to combine the two. And then let's say the, the patient comes back six months later, a year later, and their A1C has skyrocketed. And at this point, we've talked, you know, at large about different things that we can do and they're not making any changes. Okay. Now we're going to start you on metformin, right? So we're still going to go with the protocols. Like this is still medicine. We still have to make changes. And if you're not willing to make those changes, then we're going to have to bring in the big guns, but we can start somewhere where it's a little bit more natural, a little bit more healthy, and it gives the patients more autonomy and it empowers them to know that you are in charge of your health. Like you have everything at your fingertips and I'm going to, I'm going to empower you to do that. And I'm going to give you the tools to do that. And if you can't, if you still really can't, then we might have to move to medication or things like that. So that's kind of how I've started to integrate the two. It can be very difficult. A lot of times preceptors, employers, bosses are going to be like, what the heck are you doing? We don't have time for this, you know, and and you'll kind of move on, but you just kind of got a strong arm your way into it. You know, that's how we're going to get the healthcare system to slowly make that shift. Yeah, no, I love, I love the process because I feel like, um, there's that, those few people that will take that extra time to go over those little things and the way that you're doing it is not Mm -hmm. too much because if you do too much, like you said, it's overwhelming. They're not right. going to make those changes. Um, right. The one thing a week is amazing because I feel like even us, like we have such bad habits. So like, if you tell someone yeah. like, stop eating like chocolate and they love chocolate, you, like they're not going to stop. So, no, so it's like, not going to work. <laughs> right. Because, because that's, that's the whole part of holistic medicine is that we are individuals who like, our brains get trained, right? Like if you're used to eating something sweet after dinner, I say that because that's me. Um, Your brain is literally trained to think that I have to eat something sweet after dinner. Otherwise, like I feel anxious. I can't go to bed. All I do is think about it. Okay. That's fine. You have to understand why is this happening? Right. Mm -hmm. And you can't tell someone like that, just completely cut it out. So you have to do your homework. You have to be educated and do your research to understand why is this happening and what can we use as a replacement? So that's like one of my big things and one easy changes for the listeners. If you're kind of like, oh, well, what can I do um, with my patients or even for yourself or your friends or your family? Think of easy replacements. Um, So for someone who like, like us who, you know, need something sweet after dinner, 
that's fine. That's okay. Replace your chocolate or your cookie or your piece of cake with a bowl of like cut up strawberries, you know, or like a bowl of cut up peaches or, um, a, a dark chocolate that's at least 66% cacao. So at least it's providing a little bit of something, right? And yeah. at the same time, you're tricking your brain into thinking, okay, good, we're getting something sweet and now I can relax. Yeah. So it's just thinking of those like healthy alternatives. It's not about cutting things out, right? Yeah. About limiting ourselves. It's about just swapping them out for healthier options. Yeah, no, I totally, that's like one thing I've started to do or like I have like a rice cake or something because like you yeah. have a sweetness to it and right. it's like 50 calories and you're like, it's still a carb, but I'm going to eat this, you know? Yeah. It, it, it's great. Yeah, no, I'm definitely a chocolate person. I'd probably eat <laughs> all of the M&Ms if I could. So yeah, <laughs> so I have to hide them. But yeah, like those little things do go a long way. And like, I know totally because when I, did it at one point I wasn't paying attention and I'm like oh I'm eating like them just like as passing and I'm like okay let me take this out and like I noticed a little difference and I'm like okay I don't want it it's just kind of there and you're like used to just eating it so right. when you hide it it kind of helps too I don't know if anyone needs to hide their like snacks but totally definitely Another thing you can do too, I know I'm going on a little bit of a tangent, (laughs) but another thing you can also do is, um, practice more intuitive eating. Like instead of just, Mm -hmm. you know, grabbing some chocolate or a cookie or ice cream or something after dinner, while you're watching TV, practice intuitive eating. If you're going to eat it, that's okay. Turn off the TV, put your phone down and focus on eating the food. And I promise you, when you do that, you realize like, whoa, I just had two bags of M&Ms. That was, you know, that was too much. Right. But when you're watching TV or you're on your phone or you're having a conversation, you're not really paying attention. So you just keep going, you keep going, you keep going. You're not listening to your body. Who's telling you like, Hey, I'm full. That's enough. So if you practice a little bit more intuitively where you're paying attention to the food, that's actually going into your mouth, chewing it, swallowing it, digesting it, actually listening to your body as it's happening. Um, it, it, we tend to kind of like shift and being like, okay, I think that was good. That was enough. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, I have like bad timing when I like I'm going on about this, but I feel like I have bad timing about eating like I'll eat, but then I'll forget to eat my next meal. And then it's like already half of the day. And I'm like, okay, I didn't eat enough. So then you kind of like force eat yourself make up for it. So bad. (laughs) But like, I'm just like not, I guess like, it's like I'll eat enough, but I'm that person who doesn't need to eat a lot. And so when, and when I started to know that, like, I'm not even eating enough for me as a person. I was like, oh my God, I was like, this explains. I like, I was always very tired. I was always very moody. I was just like all over the place. And I'm like, there has to be a solution. And then once I like went into it and I was like, okay, I'm not eating enough. Like this completely makes sense. So um, that's another thing, like just knowing how to space out when you eat. So you don't feel like you're you're too overwhelmed or eating too much mm-hmm. at one time catching up. up for everything mm-hmm. um could help that's something I need to be better about. <laughs> yeah <laughs> I think I mean I think we all do right like we're all everyone is so busy that yes. you like forget to eat or you're like I don't have time to eat um which is totally understandable you just have to find that balance and I think getting like the power of having a routine is so important because mm-hmm. once you find the routine that works for you again, we're human. So it becomes habitual 
then yeah. it becomes like clockwork, you know, like now it's time to eat lunch. Now it's time for my snack. Now it's time for dinner. So, yeah. um, you know, routines are also really, really powerful in helping with that. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, that's like something that everyone should like pick up on or just changing one thing about your schedule so that it becomes more routine is good too. Right. But like, we all like get those moments where we just fall off and you're like oh snap I need to get back on so yeah and that's okay I mean you have to give yourself grace too right like we're only human we can't do it all so totally so I guess as a freshly new graduate what is one word of advice you give to any um, student who's practicing in the healthcare field or just like a nursing student Mm -hmm. um I would say to be a student of life, like never stop learning, never, you know, put the books down, never think that once you're done with school or with your certifications or with your boards that it's over, that you've made it right. Um, A quote that I heard recently talked about people who think that they're experts or masters in something are failing because you should never be an expert. You should never be the best at anything. You should never be a master of anything because you should always be trying to learn more. Um, And that's something that I've always lived by. I have continuously, I've been in school for like 10 years straight. This is the first time that I'm not in school. Um, So it's probably easy for me to say, but even still, I think it's just so important to just keep learning, whether that's reading books that are maybe pertinent to the area of specialty that you're in or having conversations like this um, with people in your own industry, but people in a different industry, right? I think it's so important to talk to everyone that's a part of the healthcare team, a part of the interdisciplinary team and understand where do you come from and what can you offer and where do I come from and what can I offer? Um, so just constantly learning, constantly being a student of life, um, signing up for, like I have Medscape articles that come to my emails every day. I don't go through every single one, but I find the ones that I find interesting and I read them, um, you know, following Instagram accounts or listening to podcasts like this, you know, just always always, always trying to learn and be better. Um, and understanding that you should never be an expert at anything you do, because that means that you've, uh, by definition, that means that you've capped out, right. That there's nothing left to learn and there's always more to learn. So, um, definitely take a break after, you know, you know, graduating, being a, a new grad in whatever field that you're in, but get right back into it. Um, and I think that's that's the best way, whether you're in healthcare or whether you're in, in any industry or just in life in general, it's it's always great to just keep learning and educating yourself. Yes, no, I love it. I think that's like the one thing I, when I finished as a student, I'm like, there's so much more to learn. Call me crazy. I was almost going to go back to school and be, <laughs> be something else. And I was like, what am I doing? <laughs> so, so I think it's, it's true. Like you always want to learn more do more. And it's just, I think it's just the student in me and just like, anything. Yeah. um, so then I just learned like, it's okay to not go back to school and still like do what I like and learn things. Um, yes. It doesn't necessarily have to be in school. So I kind of shifted that. And so like, I try to like listen to podcasts, stay up to date with like the pharmacy yeah. times or just like medical things. And totally. so I totally think um, that's one thing. And I was actually 
thinking of doing a residency but then I'm like I don't think I can go through that hell for one year again so, <laughs> so like my friend literally just finished and she's like she's like I would not do it over again but <laughs> she's like it is worth it like when you finish so like yeah. it, it's just like I just don't think I could do it but like um I always am trying to find ways to like excel though so it doesn't I don't think you have to have a residency to excel but like it does help open doors for you for sure oh it helps for sure it's like anyone's going to be like okay that's like the first like keyword they probably find in any application so for sure yeah definitely something that I'm like always on the like little not sure if I should do (laughs) yeah like I I mean I've considered doing it too (laughs) I've considered doing it too and you know I was like oh my gosh I just don't know if I can go through that again even though I know that it'll probably be good for me but I mean you kind of nailed it on the head like you don't have to just be in school to be learning um you have to just seek it out and there's so many different ways like we're our I feel like our generation is so lucky to Mm -hmm. have all of the resources that we have that like Mm -hmm. my mom's a nurse practitioner my grandpa's an anesthesiologist they didn't have this you know they didn't have the tools to even have these conversations they didn't have podcasts they didn't have internet right? They just had their books. So I feel like we're so blessed. We're so lucky to be in the position to have all of these resources. Um, school's not always the answer, you know, (laughs) like the the education system is not always the answer, right? Like there are a lot of problems with it. So I agree. I just had someone message me yesterday. She was like, she's like, I know a lot of business people who didn't go to school and are millionaires. I was like, thanks for rubbing it in because I was just saying how like you don't have to be educated and like have debt to be successful. And that's like another thing as well. Like people can be successful in their own way, depending on what route they take, who they connect with, like what right. they do, how they learn. And so um I think it's important to realize everyone's different and not absolutely everyone's going to take the same route but they can yeah. still be like intelligent in their own way so yeah absolutely yeah, and, and of, everyone's yeah. path is unique to them right like mm-hmm. I took the boards five times and now I'm a nurse practitioner like it, do, it doesn't mean anything other than that was my journey and that was my lesson to learn and now that's a part of my story right? So it's like everyone's story journey is going to look different. And that's like the beautiful part about being human is that like, we all come from completely different backgrounds. So learning from each other and being able to share that with each other is like so amazing. Yes. I love it. And so my last question with everything being tied up is what is your mission as a nurse practitioner and holistic health coach? Ooh, I would say my mission as a nurse practitioner and holistic health coach is to make my patients feel as supported, as empowered as possible. Um, My mission is to kind of make a difference in the healthcare system, leave my stamp in the system to say that we don't have to go with the status quo. We don't have to do things the way we've always done things. In fact, I challenge us to do things completely differently than we've always done things. Um, And let's bring our patients into this. Let's shift that power exchange. Let's give them the autonomy to make the decisions about their own lives that you know, everyone has the right to make. So I really hope that 
through my future practice um, as an NP, as a health coach in combining the two, I can exude that kind of empowerment within, you know, my support system, my healthcare team and my patients. I love it. Oh my God, great. <laughs> Thank you so much. Is there anything else you want to share before we wrap it up today? No, I don't think so. I mean, I'm really, really grateful that you um, invited me to be on the show. And I know it was difficult to kind of get us to link up, but <laughs> yeah. it's always worth it, you know, to hear um, everyone's stories and have these conversations. No, and I love it. I would yeah. I would have never known. Like, see, that's the thing. Like, no one knows until you share. And so, like, that's my whole like mission with this, like sharing so that more people are comfortable sharing their experiences. Cause I feel like people go through things and they feel like they're alone. And like, that's the one thing I don't want anyone to ever feel like they're alone. And so this is like the best way to do it. And so, um, I've had so much great feedback so far and like, I'm just continuously getting people asking to come on and I'm like, Oh my God. Yeah. Like that's great. Welcome. So, um, I just, I just love it. So I'm so glad that we connected because I was really like, Oh my God, your page is very like inspiring just like seeing it and like everything thank you um I will definitely have all her information on how to reach her in the link in the show notes and then um if you want to reach out to her she also has her own podcast as well it's called Maze Anatomy so you guys definitely (laughs) should check it out as well and so with that being said everybody have a great day thank you so much for being on the show yeah thank you so much bye guys bye So if you like this episode, I hope you hit subscribe, rate it five stars, and share it with a friend. And I hope to see you on the next episode. And remember, it's a beautiful day to have a beautiful day. A dose of mine and body. A dose of mine and body. A dose of mine and body.